Hebrews chapter 12. And I want us to go back here. And we've been talking about the chastening of the Lord. And in this passage here before us, we're looking at that as that word implies the discipline of the Lord and how the Lord disciplines us. And today I want us to consider the security of discipline. The security of discipline. Some have said rules were made to be broken. Avoid those people. They're the rebels. Rules are made to be kept. Okay. Boundaries. Boundaries. When you think of boundaries, what do you think of? Do you think of restriction? Or do you think of freedom? When you think of boundaries, usually when we think of boundaries, we think of restriction. We think of something imposed upon us which um, restricts our freedom. But boundaries, boundaries, God has given boundaries. He has written about them in his word. And they are given not to restrict us, but to protect us. <clears throat> if you go to California, and you go as far as you can west, you run into a boundary. And that boundary is called the beach. And God has decreed that the sea is not to come any farther than the beach. It says that in his word. The beach is a boundary. And I'm thankful for that boundary because I can only tread water for so long. We have a boundary along our southern border. There's supposed to be one there. That boundary is not being defended. The boundary is full of holes. And because of that, we are less secure than we should be. What are boundaries for? You know, our kids enjoy going to the zoo. <clears throat> Can you imagine going to a zoo without boundaries? Oh, look at that lion. He's awfully cute. Why is he getting so close? Were his last words. Uh, you know, we kind of chuckle about that, but <clears throat> there are boundaries, and those boundaries are there for our safety. And occasionally we read stories of people jumping over to pet the lion, or they want to get real close to the, to the uh, gorilla, and uh, bad things happen. Boundaries. You know, God has given us discipline. He disciplines us. Of course, in His Word, there are boundaries given. He gave the children of Israel His commandments. And His commandments, the Bible says, are not grievous. They were there to do what? To protect. The security of discipline. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, it says here, writer is speaking to these believers, and he says, You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the discipline of the Lord. 
nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he disciplines, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening or discipline, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father does not discipline or chasteneth not? I want us to consider today the encouragement of these verses. Again, often when we think of chastening, we, the first thing that comes to mind is well, a spanking or some type of a corporal punishment situation. But really, in this passage, the chastening of the Lord is really describing His discipline. It's like bringing up a child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And that word for discipline involves, the, the word for chastening here really is the word that is used in Scripture for the instruction of children, correcting and teaching them to curb their passions and their desires, teaching them the good and right way, bringing up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That is what this word is in the Greek, and so what it means. Now, that may occasionally involve a spanking, but the focus here is this discipline of the Lord. And we see here in verse 6, <clears throat> as we come to verse 6, for whom the Lord loveth, he disciplines. Chastening and discipline are really the evidence of God's love. It is proof of God's love. And he goes on to say, and he scourges every son whom he receiveth. And of course, we've talked about this before, that scourging is talking about the the penalty, or the repercussions of wrongdoing. That is definitely the spanking, so to speak. But it tells us in this verse that whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. Whom the Lord loves, He scourges. God does not chasten the wicked. God does not chasten the wicked. In fact, the Bible says that he is angry with the wicked every day. Romans chapter, chapter 1 talks about the wrath of God revealed from heaven against those who suppress or the truth in unrighteousness. It's talking about the wicked. God is is never recorded as chastening or disciplining the wicked. He chastens and he disciplines his own. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And I want you to note verse 7. Now this is an interesting verse. As we read it here in the English, the translation gives us this word, if. It's, all, it's like a conditional statement. That is not the way it is to be read. It's not, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. What is being said in this verse is, you are to endure discipline. Or, one translation puts it, it is for discipline that you have to endure, or it is also translated as a command, endure hardship or endure 
as endure hardship as discipline. Remember, the people to whom he was writing, they were undergoing some suffering. We go back to chapter 10, we see that. He says, Call to remembrance in 10 verse 32, the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. There's a great fight. There's afflictions coming from unbelievers. Partly while you were made a gazing stock by reproaches and afflictions, you made a public example of scorn. And he says, and partly whilst you were, while you became companions of them that were so used. So they were persecuted for their associations with the people of God. And then he goes on and said, you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. There, they were having their goods confiscated. They were suffering. They were suffering some persecution. But what did he tell them in verse 36 of chapter 10? You have need of patience. You have need of endurance. This is what God is teaching you through suffering, through suffering affliction, through through suffering ridicule, loss of your goods. God is teaching you. He is disciplining you. And he is developing in you endurance. You have need of this. Listen, endurance comes through what? Ask any athlete. How do you get endurance? You've heard the phrase, no pain, no gain. Simple phrase. But you know, training for a marathon does not involve pulling up to the table and downing gallons and gallons of Coca-Cola and stuffing yourself full of Twinkies. No, that's not how you train for a marathon. It's rigorous discipline. It's painful. It's hard work. And it is daily over and over repeating the same thing and stretching yourself, going further, going faster, bringing yourself to the point of exhaustion to build up what? Endurance. Is it fun to train for the race? No. The fun part is crossing the finish line and crossing it first or in good time. I was in high school. Was football practice fun? Eh. I guess if you had a bad day at school, it's kind of fun to go take out your frustrations on another player in pads and you could just ram them into each other. You know, there's there's that kind of thing. I know girls don't understand it, but you know, but you know what was really fun? Game day. The opponent playing against him and trying to outsmart him, try to run faster, hit him harder, get to the end zone, outscore them. Oh, that was fun. But you know what? Those game days would never have been fun if we hadn't paid the physical price during the week. You have need of endurance. How do you develop endurance? God was developing endurance in these people through his discipline, through these painful and sometimes rigorous circumstances. You have need of endurance. And so it is for endurance. He says here, you are to endure chastening. It's for discipline. You have to endure. Verse 7. And why? It says, because God is dealing with you as with sons. God is dealing with you as with sons. How do we respond to discipline? He says, endure it, accept it. No, it's not fun. 
it often hurts. But you know, when you realize the end result is determined by your response, it puts a whole different perspective on it. And he's coming to that in these verses. We'll get there. But discipline here really is a proof of sonship. Discipline is a proof that you are one of God's children. God does not discipline the ungodly, the wicked. He only disciplines his own. And he's using this illustration as we compare it. He compares it here to an earthly father. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? It is just generally, it is assumed a father does what with his children? He, he, he disciplines them. He trains them. He doesn't just say, oh, I've got a son, whatever. Now, there are some who do that, I think. But the Bible says the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And by way of extension, his father too. But it is assumed if you are a father, what are you going to do? If you love your child, you will discipline them. You love your child, you're going to train them. You're going to correct your son because, it, because he needs correction. Children don't raise themselves. They do not develop endurance. What would your children eat if you did not give them a balanced diet? I know my oldest daughter would only eat ice cream. That's her only food group. Now, she knows better than to just eat ice cream, but she has a hankering for that stuff. And as a parent, we had to say, you know, ice cream is not one of the, whatever, how many basic food groups. That's just dessert once in a while. Okay. But you think a child needs discipline, needs to be trained. And what father does not chasten or discipline his children? Deuteronomy chapter 8, we read that chapter in the last couple of weeks as dealing with this, <clears throat> what God was doing with the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 8 and verse 5, Thou shalt consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Moses wanted the children of Israel to understand why God had fed them with manna for 40 years. You know, we, we kind of <clears throat> smirk or kind of, you know, kind of look down at the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness because they just keep complaining. You're like, man, why don't you guys get it? Well, you know, I really do understand why they were complaining. You try eating the same food. Every day. You guys be complaining after three days. Try a week. How about 40 years? 40 years of manna. Now, God in His goodness spared them and kept them alive by giving them manna. But He didn't change the menu. And the reason for that was to discipline them. It was chastening. It was that word chastening, discipline. The manna was part of the discipline that He was putting them through. And he allowed them to suffer hunger. He allowed them to suffer thirst. Why? Number one, to humble them. To humble them. 
to discipline them, to teach them that man does not live by bread alone. And so that when they came into this land of plenty, they were going to live in cities they didn't build. They were going to live in houses they didn't build. They were going to be vineyards that they didn't plant. And when they were successful and when they had more than enough, God said, you are not to forget me. Because success can be so destructive. Success generally tends to cause us to look at the blessing and not the blesser. To look at the gift and forget the giver. We have to train our children with that, don't we? Christmas time, kids getting gifts, maybe from grandma and this uncle, and Christmas Day is great, they open these presents, oh, wonderful, play with these gifts. And Well, the first task they have to do is, well, clean up the wrapping paper. But what's the next thing? Send a thank you note to grandma. What? Yeah. Send a Yeah. You, you want to keep that gift? You better send a note, or we're going to send it back to grandma. Okay. Now, what happens? Well, we're just like kids. Oh, we look at the gift. We look at the blessing, and then we didn't tend to neglect the one who sent it. God was so concerned about the children of Israel that when they would be blessed, when they would have plenty, that they would just forget him. Of course, what does history reveal? What do we see in the Old Testament? Well, that first generation that was with Joshua, they followed the Lord. But the next generation just kind of veered off. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope. Chasten thy son while there is hope. And then it says, And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Okay. Chasten thy son while there is hope. You know what that means? While he's still young. Before he's said in the wrong way. Because there is a time. This is implies. When you read this verse, it implies something. When he says, while there is hope, that means there is a time when he is beyond your training. And then you want to change him. Too bad. It's hopeless. You're not going to change him. He's set in his ways. So chasten your son while, he, while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. You know what the second half of that verse is written to? The second half of that verse is written to every mother. Now it's written to all of us. But, you know, it, listen, I understand that mothers, oh, they've got that tender heart. And that's good. Kids need a mom. But they also need a dad. But what happens is if dad's away at work and mom's at home. And the kid thinks, well, mom's got a tender heart. What does he tend to do? He thinks he can get away with stuff because mom's not going to, well, he'll cry. Well, mom, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never do it again. Please don't spank me. Oh, Johnny, I believe, I want to believe you. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> That's not the way dad does it, is it? Johnny, 
Come on over here. You did wrong. I know, and this is going to help you remember. Lean over. Okay, here's a little chastening. Here's a little corporal punishment. Mom's peek around the corner and got a little tear to run down her cheek because, oh, she just doesn't like to see little Johnny get a spanking. You know what? We had a, uh, when I first got married, I made a deal with my wife. I said, you know what? I said, I want you to watch me spank this kid, and I want you to see how I do it, and I want you to do it the same way. Because I don't want them preferring your spankings to mine. And our oldest tried that one time. I won't mention his name, but <laughs> I asked. I said, well, who do you want to spank? I, I said, he goes, I want mommy to spank me. I don't want daddy to spank me. I said, okay, we'll both spank you then. He never asked for that again. <laughs> we both had at it. Okay. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. Why? Because he must be trained. He must be disciplined. Discipline is not fun. No, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's grievous. But a father does this. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, just a couple other verses here before we get back to Hebrews. Proverbs 13, 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him, or loves his son, chasteneth him often, or betimes. That means often. What does that verse tell us? It is loving to discipline your children. It is hatred not to. Oh, I, I, I can't spank him. I can't do this. It's just, oh, it, that, that's hatred, folks. That is hatred because what are you doing? You're not developing character. You're squandering opportunities to train that child up in the way he should go. And you're teaching him that there are not consequences for his behavior. The world is full of those kind of people. We don't need any more. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And then finally, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child. Let him have it. He needs it. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from destruction, from hell. Now look at that verse. Oh my. You know, we, live in a, we live in a day when that kind of language, oh, beat. Oh. Okay. You're not talking about child abuse. He's talking about painful Corporal punishment. And folks, if it, if it doesn't smart, he won't get very smart. Okay? There's two different uses of the same word. I know you understand that, but okay. What does he say? If thou beatest him with a rod, he's not going to die. Now, he wants you to think he's going to die. All right? Ah, oh, you're killing me. Ah, oh, this hurts. Ah, you know. Now, what is that? What kind of response is that? Well, Hebrews talks about that. He says, despise not the chasing of the Lord, nor faint when thou rebuked of him. Kid that falls on the floor and kicks his feet and screams. And, no, that's the kid that uh, hasn't been spanked enough. Pull him back up and keep going till he gives in. Okay? 
Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. I didn't say that. God did. You better follow his instruction. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 12. Note here, For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? I will tell you, there are sons that the father does not chasten, but they're not his. They're not his. Okay? God only chastens his sons. Do you know what? I only chasten, I only discipline my own children. There have been times that I've wanted to discipline somebody else's kids, but that is not my place, and I don't do that. I can't. Okay? A father disciplines whom? He disciplines his own. God, when he disciplines us, is dealing with us as his own children. It is precious. He does not do this with those who are not his children. And in fact, if ye be without the discipline of the Lord, if ye be without chastisement, of which every son is a partaker, this is verse 8, where of all are partakers, then are you illegitimate. You are not his children. You're not a child of God. If you are not disciplined by him, because he disciplines all of his children, everyone whom he receives, he scourges. They need it at times. Everyone that he takes, every son of his, he chastens, he disciplines. So if you're without discipline, woe be unto you, because you're not a son. You're not a child of God. Discipline is a proof of sonship. God deals with you, he's dealing with us as his own. The father disciplines his own children. To be without discipline is, Ill, is to be illegitimate. And God disciplines all of his children without exception. Without exception. Everyone. Well, so how are we to respond? And this is what the writer is really driving at with these people. He wants to encourage them. Hey, you're, you're undergoing discipline. Don't faint. Don't grow weary in your minds. Don't just write it off or mischaracterize it as, well, bad luck. Realize what God is doing. Understand God's purpose in this. Respond correctly. Endure it. And he gives an example in verse 9. He says, furthermore, along this line of thinking, listen, he says, we've all had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us. And I, now, he is not making a universal you know, statement here that there's never been a child that wasn't disciplined. No, but he's speaking in general. We've all had fathers, and what do fathers do? They correct us. And we as children, what do, how do we respond? Well, we give them reverence or respect. We obey. We learn to obey. And he goes, now if we do that with our earthly fathers, he says, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits, unto God, and live? Listen, you know, your parents discipline. Some of it was more important than others. Some of it was, you know, for major things or minor things. But listen, God's discipline is for life. This is life and death. 
Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits, unto God our Father, and live? The security of discipline. He goes on in verse 10 to describe this. He says, for they verily, speaking of the earthly fathers, he says, they verily for a few days, or just for the short amount of time that we were under their, under their roof, so to speak, they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Now, those words are a little misleading. It means as they saw best or as they saw fit. So what does a father do? A father that loves his child, he disciplines him and he tries to use wisdom and discernment in the discipline process. But earthly fathers aren't perfect. Sometimes an earthly father has, well, maybe has the wrong purpose. He may have the wrong motive. Have you ever disciplined your child because... You were angry? Think about that. Have you ever disciplined your child because you were angry? That is not proper discipline. Have you ever disciplined your child because he, Im- he or she embarrassed you in front of others? And because of that, you got angry and disciplined them harshly? Because your pride was bruised? Yeah, and if we were asked for a show of hands, every one of us that has children raise our hand, we've all been there. We've done that. Is that proper discipline? No. And a lot of times as fathers, we, you know, we want to do what's best. We really do. But then sometimes we just, we, we respond in the flesh. We don't, we don't use wisdom or we react swiftly without Hearing the whole matter, have you ever given your child a spanking and then found out you were wrong and they didn't deserve the spanking? Oh, that's a horrible feeling. Oh, I blew it. But then you tell your child, well, you probably, I, I probably missed one somewhere along the line. You need it, right? But, you know, but here we are, you know, we, we, we do the best we can, so to speak. And that's what he's saying here. For they verily for a few days chastened us, our earthly fathers chastened us after their own pleasure as they saw fit. But he, look at God's discipline. Look what it says. But he, for our profit, that's the purpose. And what's the motive? That we might be partakers of his holiness. God does not discipline his children out of anger. Never. And God is not a capricious disciplinarian. Well, I got away with this yesterday, Lord, but today you're kind of upset. No. He's consistent. He does it for our benefit. It's not because, well, God is just kind of fed up and then blows up and then lets us have it. And then he feels better because he got release, you know. No, that... Now, so I've seen parents discipline like that. That's, that's not godly discipline. God disciplines us for our profit. It is always for our benefit. Think about that. Just let that sink in. The discipline of the Lord. Because in the next verse, he tells us that no 
discipline. None of it. At the point of discipline. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Think about that. No discipline is going to make you say, Wee! Yes, this is great! No. It's painful. It's inconvenient. It's, it's not comfortable. It's grievous. No discipline is joyous, but grievous. But what did he say it was for? God does it for our profit. Think about that. Think about that. It is for your, and it is for my benefit. It's to make us better. Do you ever take medicine that tasted bad? I don't know any medicine that tastes good. Even the stuff they try to make taste good tastes bad. And it makes other things that taste good, kind of like that, taste bad too. It's just, ugh. You ever chewed up an aspirin? I had a kid in high school that chewed up aspirin. I said, you chew that up? He goes, yeah, I can chew it up. I said, he goes, you got to try it. I did that one time. I about turned 50 shades of green. Never did it again. That was the worst, bitterest, nastiest thing I ever did. Yeah. But, you know, medicine, it doesn't taste good. But why do we take it? Well, because the doctor said it would be for our profit. And so we take it. We endure that brief displeasure or unpleasantness on the taste buds or whatever it is. We take it because it's for our profit. So this is, God is disciplining us. It's not fun. It's not joyous. It's grievous. These people were not enjoying being ridiculed, made a public spectacle. They weren't enjoying having their goods confiscated. It wasn't fun. It was grievous. But the writer of Hebrews says, God is in control of this, and he's actually disciplining you to make you more like him. It is for your profit. It is so that you will be a shareholder, a partaker of his holiness, his nature. Now listen, if that's the benefit, if that's the result... Should we be despising the chastening of the Lord or fainting when we're rebuked of him? Oh, oh, what's the use? Oh, I'll tell you what the use is. It's great. It is for my good. It is for your good. And God is making us to partake and become holy as he is. He wants our natures to be like him. That's what this discipline is for. Listen, that's encouraging. The coach says to the team, listen, guys, gather around. I know you're green. You want to puke because you just ran. You had a big practice and you're just wasted and can hardly breathe. You're laying there looking at me. Now, let me explain something to you, team. He says, I'm doing this for your profit. Because if you'll stick with me and you'll be disciplined by this and you'll work hard, we're going to win the game. Not only are we going to win the game, we're going to go to the championship, and we're going to be the best team out there. We're going to win it all. And all the kids go, yeah. <laughs> all right, coach. And you know what? The players, 
that submit to the coach's discipline are successful. And the team that as a whole comes together and says, all right, guys, let's do what coach says. When you got a whole group of guys that do that, oh, that team's unstoppable. And here is God. He disciplines us for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Look at God's purpose and look at his motive. It's all for our benefit and ultimately for his glory. We come to verse 11 here. <coughs> Listen, no chastening, no discipline for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. No, it's, it's, it's not going to feel good. It is not going to cause your flesh enjoyment. No, it's going to go against that. But remember this. He says, nevertheless, nevertheless, afterward, afterward, what does it yield? It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, but not to everybody. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby, or to those who are trained thereby, to those who accept it. Now, if you kick and scream and say, what's the use? If you faint when you're rebuked of the Lord, just like he says over here, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. If you despise the chasing, ah, that's just counted as something not important. Or you faint and say, what's the use? No, you're not being trained by his discipline. But if you will accept it, if you will endure discipline, then here's the promise. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. That is the same thing as what was just said in verse 10. The peaceable fruit of righteousness, you could put an equal sign there, is being a partaker of his holiness. How does that look? It's the peaceable fruit of righteousness. What is going to blossom and grow in your life is that behavior which God considers righteous. Your decision-making your value judgments and your behavior is going to be holy. Because that's what God accomplishes in those who respond correctly to his discipline. The writer of Hebrews wants to encourage these people. He says, listen, don't faint. You're going through some hard times. No chastening, no discipline for the present is joyous but grievous all the time. Yes, no, it's not comfortable. But if you'll not lose sight of what God is doing, he's treating you as his sons. It's, listen, it's proof that God loves you. It's a proof that you're his child. And the end result is for your benefit. It is to make you a partaker of his nature. It is to make you holy. And it's to bring about in your life this peaceable fruit of righteousness, which brings glory to God. And folks, when we see it that way, and if we don't lose that perspective, then, listen, we can endure. We've been told what's at the end. We've been told the result. It doesn't say nevertheless before. It says nevertheless afterward. 
after the discipline. It results in a life that brings glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. So we must have the proper response. But do you see the the safety, the protection, the security and discipline? Listen, it's reassuring. It's a reminder that God is your Father and that He's doing this, not as your earthly Father who made a lot of mistakes, wrong motives, wrong desires, but tried, but God's doing it perfectly. Custom designed for you for your profit. And he is developing holiness. So don't despise it. Don't faint. And that's exactly what he goes on to say here in verses 12 and 13. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the knees that are shaking. I have one child, again, will remain nameless, but when corrected, we got a physical response, and it was this. Just, you know, kind of dropping the shoulders. And I thought to myself, hmm, that's an improper response. And so he had to be, actually be disciplined on how to respond to discipline. Now, that was a double one there. But, and I had to teach him what's the proper response. Hey, straighten up. Be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't get all down. Oh, I mean, how? what was Cain's response? Yeah, you're, you're spanking me too hard. That's more than I can bear. You know, the consequences just, I, it, it wasn't a, I'm receiving what I deserve or, no, it was a response of the ungodly. God is mean. God is harsh. Why is he treating me this way? Now that, listen, <laughs> That is not the right response. So lift up. Lift up the hands which hang down. Strengthen those feeble knees. And get back on the path. That's the next verse. Make straight paths for your feet. Let that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. It's kind of like, buck up, buddy. Come on. Come on. Don't just look at the discipline, which is not comfortable. Look beyond The eyes of faith, believe what God has said, this is for your good and for his glory. And listen, may we be receptive and thankful for the discipline that God brings about in our lives. And again, the only way you can do that is to realize what he's doing. But he's been clear about that. Perfectly clear. And by way of extension, I know this is not the theme of the passage, but you know what? What a great pattern for parents. As we discipline our children, are are we doing it for their profit? That they might be partakers of the holiness of the Lord? Listen, that is our goal in discipline. It's to mimic what God is doing. And God is using us as fathers and mothers to do this very thing, to discipline. While there's hope. So let us as parents even see this as a pattern for our own child rearing. Like I said, that wasn't the main impetus of this passage, but it sure is 
a good extended application. But let us be faithful. Listen, let us be thankful. And let us respond correctly because God's discipline, God's discipline gives us great security. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love for us. And Lord, you love us as a perfect father with infinite wisdom. Lord, you know exactly what we need. Lord, you bring about this discipline for our profit that we might be partakers of your holiness. Lord, that after the discipline, when we respond correctly, Lord, we manifest that peaceable fruit of righteousness which brings glory to you. Lord, help us not to lose sight of the purpose of your training and your discipline in our lives. And Lord, may we be thankful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.